You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? Birdo here. And we're back with another episode and we've got a Q&A session for today, which just means that I came up with a bunch of random questions that I was curious about and Birdo's going to answer them for us. Yeah, it sounds so, about right. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, well, before you jump in, do you want to talk about anything else, Birdo, or should we just jump straight into the questions? Well, I mean, we can get into the questions. Um, I'm, You know, I'm riding high after this this Packers W, you know what I mean? So. You know, I am too, actually. Oh, Not the after Cardinals, Packers win, the Cardinals. But, but the Cardinals actually won a game. <laughs> they beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, there's a lot of Cowboy fans out there, man. I, I knew a lot of Cowboy <laughs> fans growing up, and uh, they're probably a they're little bit. They're not very bit, happy, did yeah, they? Yeah, that one, that one probably stung. <laughs> that one probably stung a little bit, you know? So, but other than that, man, yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of weird taking so much time off to record, but uh, it's definitely needed. Because, man, you get behind real fast in life. Anyway. <laughs> I know that feeling. Man, for so. real. So, um, but yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, man. I've seen, uh, I seen the, the questions. I think there's some good ones. So if you want to go ahead and take over. All right. So the first question we're going to kick it off with is, can you think of an instance as a Latin king that you were in the uh, situation you were in that at, at the time you felt, Oh shit, this is a bad place and I don't want to be here. All right. So that's kind of a, it's a, um, I guess it's a, it, it, that, that question would come down to, you know, I guess the kind of person you are, right? Like you, there's a lot of situations that you, you, you end up in and, um, you know, you don't necessarily think it's a bad place, you know, even though most people <laughs> would think it is, you know, um, you know, for instances, and you get into big fights, you know, like big, you know, big, big instances of shoot, obviously shootouts and, and shit like that. But I'm saying like, you know, there's a lot of things that just some people they're just not cut out for and, and they find that as a bad situation. Um, <clears throat> those I wasn't really like, obviously, like, you know, it just came with the territory. And so, a lot of that, a lot of times we initiated those, those instances. And so it was kind of like, you know, it was a thrill seeking, um, thing, but I think the, I can think of a vivid time where, um, I was thinking like, damn, I'm in a tough spot. And, um, <laughs> I think that was the time, you know, I had, I had when I was in LF hood and I was by Payne's house and I went outside and I ended up shooting at the, the, the crowd of LFs and, and there ended up being unknowns out there. I, I went over this story before where, you know, they were together. And I think, you know, after the fact, like your adrenaline's pumping, you know what I mean? So you're, you're not really processing what just happened. And, you know, I kind of made the mistake. I think, you know, I made the mistake of going right back to the house where I was at, you know, um, mm -hmm. because the, you know, the house, the house that we were at, it was like a rear cottage. And I don't know how familiar you are with, with how like the South side is set up, but you know, basically like there'll be a street, you know, like on the street, there'll be a house in the front. And then, you know, there'll also be a house located in the back, like off of the alley. And so that's the kind of house we were at. And so obviously mm -hmm. when the shooting occurred, I was in the front. So me running through the gangway and, and trying to run out to the back of the alley, 
I didn't think anybody would see me um, run back into the house and, and maybe nobody did, but you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a smart move. Just put it like that. And so anyways, um, you know, when those dudes, they, they came, you know, they came chasing me, you know, there were so many of them. And I, and I had a, I had a nine shot 22. It was a little, little small, little 22, um, a Taurus, you know, so once, once the shots were gone, you know, I mean, these guys were obviously out there drinking and partying. So they're not, you know, that fear and that shit goes away real fast. So they start, they're looking to chase me, you know, they're looking to catch me. And when they came through the gangway, I don't know, man, we were like, you know, I was still kind of explaining what was going on to the guys that were in the house. You know, Lawrence was in there, Payne was in there. And so I'm explaining to him what happened and, and we kind of slipped up and the, the gang, the, you know, where the gangway was at, we had a, there was a window right there and it was wide open, you know, cause it was summertime. And so they kind of mm-hmm. like heard us talking inside the house and they stopped, you know, and uh, they're like, Hey, you guys see somebody run through the gangway, you know, right here. And we're like, no, nah, no, nah. we shut the window and they must've like red flags must've went off and they knew, you know what Ooh, I'm saying? Man. They knew what was going yeah. on. And so like shortly after that, you know, the, 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 the house that we were in, it was like a, uh, it was, it was being, there was an upstairs and then there was a downstairs. And so the way it worked is when you came in through the first door, you could go to the upstairs apartment, but then there's like a little, you know, a mini hallway and then you can come to the downstairs apartment. And so, mm-hmm. um, but we kept both of the doors locked. And so them dudes, they, they, you know, whoever was in the gangway, they ran back, they got some more guys and they kicked in that first door. And so when they kicked in the first door, you know, we're in the house still, man, you know, they're trying to, we, we hear them kicking the first door. So we knew they were coming in. And so, you know, there was even a couple, you know, there's even a couple, um, of females there. And we told them, Hey, go hide in the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we don't know what's, (laughs) we don't know what's going to happen. Right. And so, um, it's just me Payne, and Lawrence now Payne is, you know, he's probably like six, two, he's big dude, you know? you know, 260, 270, something like that, you know, big old guy. And so me and me and Lawrence now, now mind you, we had the 22 and I explained this uh, when I told the story, but I had the 22 and we actually had two guns there that night. We had a 25 and we had a 22 and, and Tim and, and Benny were, were gone. They were going to get some weed from Mario's house. And so they took a gun. Well, it just so happened. They took the 22, I mean, the 25 the only spare bullets we had in that house were for the 25. So when I, yeah. So when I used all the, the 22 bullets, you know what I'm saying? I didn't save none for the run because I didn't have nowhere to run to. I was going right into the house. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That was, that was my thought process. And so, and there was a lot of guys out there too, you know? And so we got no bullets, you know, we got no bullets for this gun. We got a gun that's useless to us. And so, you know, we're all like, yo, grab something. So we grab like butcher knives Lawrence had like a big ass, like a, a rope chain, like, and then we just shut off all the lights, you know? And so they get through that first door and then we hear him like talking in the hallway, you know, we hear him. And so we're thinking, you know, we're kind of like, we're in a really, really bad spot, bro. Because obviously we're all there together, all three of us, you know what I'm saying? And we're, we're like, we're standing there together. And so, um, you know, cause whatever comes through that door, we're going to fight for our life basically. And we were in a tough spot because we wanted to stay in front of the door so they couldn't kick the door in. But we were also worried that what if they just start shooting through the door? Cause we don't know what, you know what I mean? So we were like, damn. So we got pain, like pains, like kind of off to the side, but, but by the door, you know what I'm saying? And, and, um, and then boom, we hear the first kick at the door. Boom. 
you know, so now we're like, damn, like now, you know, your heart starts beating, you know what I mean? Like shit's, it just got real. You know what I mean? You're sober. Like you were drinking and smoking, all that shit's gone now. You know what I'm saying? And then, so we kind of just, you know, we didn't even plan it like this, but it just ended up being where me and Lauren were on, on both sides of the opening of the door and pain was in front of the door and they're kicking it and pain's like, you know, standing in front of the door, trying to make sure they can't get in. You know, at that time, bro, I remember thinking like this, this is it, you know, this could be it. I just remember being like, damn dog, like, like this was stupid. You know what I mean? Like this is a situation like, damn, this is stupid. Like this is probably avoidable. You know what I mean? I shouldn't even have been out there. And yeah, I felt like I was in a situation exactly right, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I felt like this is not, this is not good. And so they're kicking the door, you know, and they're literally getting it open. You know, they're like, it's get it's opening and it pains using all his body weight and like pushing it back closed. And I think because of the, the, the hallway was a little, it was a little narrow. And so it, you know, I don't know how many guys were in the hallway, but it was like, they couldn't use all their power. It was like, they needed less power because there were so many people. So it, it benefited us because if pain was just one guy holding the door, you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. kicking in and he's pushing back, pushing back. And me and Lawrence are just waiting there. If like, if they bust it open, then we're just going to start swinging at it, whatever, you know, whatever we can. We were at an advantage because we were in the dark, you know, and our eyes kind of had, had adjusted a little bit, you know, the lights on in the hallway lights, you know, like porch lights on. So their eyes would have been, it would have been hard for them to adjust, bro. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so, you know, we getting kicks, kicks. It seemed like what was forever, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, like you're, you're, you're there and like, you know, your heart, like I said, your heart's racing, bro. You're like, damn, dog. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. And then, and then all of a sudden the kicks stop, you know, we're just kind of there looking at each other. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, what to do. Right. You know, so we're kind of like, still, we got the lights off. Like we're not, we're not, you know, we're not by any means, like we don't feel we're safe. So we're, we're now we're debating like, okay, should we open up the door? And try to lock that other door that they kicked in. We're like, damn, man. Like, we're, we're you know what I mean? We're kind of, we're, we're undecided. And then, you know, it wasn't long after that. This is, I don't even know how this happened, like, um, logistically. Meaning, like, I don't know how the, my, my brother and Benny ended up coming back. All right. Right. And, you know, right after we hear the door, we hear him knocking on the door and we think it's them again, but we're like, why would they knock? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and so we kind of like looked out the side of the window and we see it's them. Right. And so we open up the door, we bust open the door and I'm like, you know, the door is jammed, so I can't get it open for him. And I'm like yelling through the door. I'm like, Tim, I'm like, I'm like, man, shoot them dudes, man. Them dudes are trying to get in here. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm letting them know, like these dudes are trying to get in here and get us. You know what I mean? And, uh, He's like, who, who, who? And so like, I, I think back and I'm like, mind blown, like, damn, which way did they really come um, as far as like walking wise? Because if they would have came through the front where I came, they would have seen all those guys. You know what I'm saying? There's no way they could have missed them. And then also the, the as fast as it happened, you think they would have walked past each other or something, you know what I'm saying? And right. Yeah. And, um, and so Tim, I, I, you know, he pulls his gun out and then I hear somebody, I'm finally getting the door. It's, it's opening a little bit. I hear somebody like, don't shoot the cops are everywhere. You know, and so I open up the door finally, and then him and Benny come in, and they're like, "What happened? What happened?" We're like scrambling now because we hear the cops are there. So you know, we run downstairs, we hide both of the guns, and then we're kind of like hiding in there, waiting, waiting, waiting. And of course, you know, those guys they they told them where we were at, so the cops kicked in the door, and they found us in the basement, and they found the guns, and and uh, you know, even that was like another time because we're in the basement and. You know, it's pitch dark in the basement, bro. Cause it's not like a, it wasn't like a finished basement. It wasn't even a usable basement mm -hmm. where we were at. It was just, we we're hiding out like a cellar, you know what I mean? And then, 
you know, we hear the door kick open and we hear him, you know, this is the Milwaukee Police Department, you know, come out with your hands up. You know what I mean? Like, and it's pitch dark. So they're scared. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't know what the hell's in there. <laughs> and um, just a bunch of teenagers. That's it. Like, it was like, well, you know, I had two guns. Well, yeah, they find they ended up finding the guns. Yeah, they ended up finding the guns. They were they were hidden in the ceiling and uh, they ended up finding them. And so, yeah, man, but you know, that was one of those instances. I mean, I think I, I used to get that feeling a lot, like in raids, you know, like when I was in raids, bro, like those were, I'd get them, you know, them sick feelings, bro, like literally in the pit of my stomach, like, damn, man, like this shit again, bro, like why? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, and, and the majority of the time, once you know it, like I was on the run for something, you know what I'm saying? Like I was wanted over here or probation violation or some stupid shit, you know? And, and, uh, it, you know, though, I think those were like some of the more gut wrenching times, bro, getting pulled over, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, th- those are the ones that made me like, I guess, like sick to my stomach, you know what I'm saying? More where you're like, damn, man, like it sucks. Cause I told you I've been in a bunch of raids, bro. You know what I'm saying? From regular local um you know local police to to federal raids you know and um they're completely different in how they run but both very effective and and isn't it isn't it funny how the when you look back at it the idea that the times where you were close to getting arrested were more terrifying to you than the times where you were going to die (laughs) you could potentially die which is just all weird in that (laughs) sense but it is but you know like a lot of people you know you know it's crazy to say but you know at some point they'd rather die than go to prison you know it's like it's (laughs) yeah but you didn't even really know that at that point no of course yeah yeah no (laughs) you know i I couldn't i couldn't yeah i couldn't compartmentalize that (laughs) at all at that time i just think it was more about wanting to stay out and be available to the street. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was more <laughs> about that, the preservation of that. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, and it's a weird feeling, bro. I think about like, you know, even when my brother and, and Rick and, and Mondi, when they were in that, in that flake party, you know, they're in, they're in this party and it's, and it's all ops, you know? Yeah. They had a gun, but still, bro, like you're, these houses, I think about it now, like, cause I, I've been back home, obviously, and I go into some of these houses that I grew up in or the neighborhoods, you know what I mean? You, cause people still mm-hmm. live there, you know what I mean? Same houses, you know, and they look just, they look so small now, you know what I mean? Cause you know, obviously I'm older, but I think about it, bro, we used to be just be packed in these houses for house parties, you know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> yeah. and so like the, you know, the instance where that happened that night, you know what I mean? With LF Ricardo, when, when, uh, when Mondi shot him. I mean, you can imagine, bro, like they're, you know, you're surrounded by basically everybody. They all hate you. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're probably surprised that you even got in there, you know, like, and then, and then somehow through the commotion, Mondi and Rick got out. And then my brother was there by himself. So imagine how he felt. He had one of those feelings like, yeah, damn, no how the hell do I get up out of here, man? And and I remember him telling me, like, he looked out the back door and there's like six, two ones, like just standing in a circle, basically. And he was like, bro, there was no other way out. He told me he was so like, he, man, just I just, he was like, I just kicked the gate open as, as hard as I could, bro, and just sprinted out of here. He was like, <laughs> and and I think they were surprised, you know, like they didn't, you know, caught him off guard. They didn't even know what to, you know, what to think of it. And he ended up getting away, bro. But uh, yeah, I think about that, you know, the instances like that, bro. Yeah, you're gonna feel that. But the majority of those bad positions, believe it or not, we put ourselves in them. Even the one where with mine, I put myself in that position. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I mean, bro, listen, you, you got to remember, like, even like with the, with the, like, we're getting raided, you know, and that's, this is what it's, it's crazy, you know, that I, this comparison comes up, but like, I've talked to, you know, friends, people I've met and people I've gotten out of prison. And, um, like a lot of them talk to me about getting their CDL. It's like real convenient, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a, it's, it's a skill in a sense. And, um, it's, it's a needed job. You know what I mean? You're always going to need mm-hmm. it, but I likened it you know what I'm saying? To, to, to being locked up, man. And I told dudes like, man, it was hard for me to, to make that transition mentally because you're literally, you know, with the exception of having the ability to call somebody and shit like that, you're, you're basically, you're driving in a cell, you know what I'm saying? Like you're you're driving, you're in there, you're by your, you're by yourself, you know? And then it's like, you're in prison in a sense that you're always worried about getting pulled over. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you're in the Mm -hmm. game. You're like, damn, you don't want to be pulled over for anything even though you're not doing nothing illegal, you just don't want to be hassled. And then the way stations, you know, you get pulled into them way stations. That's like getting your, your, your cell shook down. You know what I mean? Like somebody searching your cell. That's what it's like. And so I hated that feeling, bro. I get anxiety, like crazy anxiety every time I drove past the way station. And then, and knowing that you had to go in, cause sometimes you wouldn't have to go in, you know, they give you a green light to keep going. But you know, me early on, they always call you in cause I'm a new driver. And, and so that shit sucks, bro. And so that is so weird. Yeah. So those are the, those are the feelings, bro, that you don't really, you know, you kind of, you kind of overlook, man. But I think for me, those are the worst, bro. Just going through that whole process of, um, you know, thinking about that. So now like this situation happened now, was this the thing? Like, obviously in the moment, probably everybody was pretty stressed out about, about it, but is it just kind of something you would shake off and just go, you know, like, Oh, that, just happened and just go on with your day like it never really stuck with you yeah i think um i think you 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 just kind of you know you yeah you 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 have no choice but to really just look at it like damn we made it out of that one or you know i mean like that was close or you know you, you it's there's no, there's no time for reflection in a sense, like we shouldn't be doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, I've told, I told you the time where Payne had a bullet go right through his hat, like shit like that. Like if that doesn't scare yeah. you, I don't know what will, you know what I mean? But it's, it's, yeah, it's not that. And look at bro. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Like I, he, you brought up a good point, you know, when, when you said that, you know, I would have rather, I was more worried about the, the police raids and the, and the, um, you know, and that shit than I was about dying. And, and I think that's for the majority of guys in the street, because you look at it, man, you know, there's dudes that are stone cold killers, man. And then, and then when it comes time to, to go to prison, obviously people make decisions to, to save their own ass. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that just goes to show people aren't scared to kill or scared to get killed. People don't want to go and spend life in prison, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just a weird dynamic to think about that, that, that shouldn't have been, been the number one fear on your mind, but obviously put in this situation, like I guess the aspect of the dying side of it was more or less like that that was your lifestyle, you know? It, it was just what happened and, and you just had to deal with it. Where, well, I guess, and I guess going to jail is too. Yeah. But it's just a weird dynamic to think about. You know, <laughs> and listen, opinion. bro, nobody wanted to die. You know what I'm saying? Like, Obviously nobody, not. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't was, like you could... Yeah, nobody was like, you know what I mean? Um, you know, today's But my it does day, seem like right? you but, but almost it accepted that, yeah. reality, that as being part of what could be your reality. 
Yeah. Whereas the police thing was not as much accepted. Like you were like, no, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, so. you know, that's, and I think that's, that's what everybody, bro. Yeah, that's true, bro. You just kind of, you overlook it. You know what I mean? I guess, you know, the, the reality is that, you know, obviously as you get older, like you become more, um, you know, conscious of things, right? Like you're, you're, you know, I like to say you get a lot scarier as you get older. You know what I'm saying? Like you start, <laughs> you st- things that would never scare you when you were young, you start to second guess it or look at it or feel a certain way or I don't know why that is, but it's it's true. You know what I mean? Like you you, you get more, you know, sentimental in certain aspects of your life. And, and so when you're a kid, you don't have that, bro. You just don't have that, uh, you know, that, that, that connection to those feelings yet. You know, you're kind of just, man, you're living wild, young, wild and free, man. You know what I'm saying? So you you don't really care about the thought of, damn, this could be it. You know, one bullet, because that's really what it was. I mean, getting shot at a bunch of times and not getting hit people, you just, you just kind of like, you're like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah, just nothing. But one of those bullets is over. You know, one of those bullets can take your life. (laughs) It's over. You know what I mean? It's just, and it's just, nobody really looks at it like that, bro. You just kind of, yeah, made it out of that one. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, <laughs> live to live for the next one, I guess. Right? Yeah, that's it. You know, and with prison, so, with prison, I seen I seen the next question is prison prison related, correct? Well, actually, I was going to jump down to the fourth question first because okay. the first and fourth questions are gang related, and then the second and third are prison related. So I think it makes sense if we just do the fourth one first. Okay, stick All with right. the gang side of it, and then go over to the prison. So I'm going to jump to the fourth one. And the fourth one is, is there anything positive besides the friends you got out of the gang that the Latin Kings gave to your life? Right. Okay. So um, I think the most glaring and obvious one we've discussed before, which is uh, the drug usage, you know, not. not yeah. And not, that was the one that I was going to tell you you had to exclude too. Yeah. But, yeah. I think but that's yeah. <laughs> the, but that's the, I mean, that's a, that's a huge advantage, bro. That's a that's a cornerstone in people's lives because that right there um, destroys people, man. Like I look, I look sometimes, man, I just think about people, even people that I grew up with or people that are a little older than me, like there's people that their, their lives are destroyed because of drugs. You know, some of them are gone because of drugs, you know? And so having that excluded from my life, I think was, was probably the biggest game changer because who knows, bro? I don't know. You know, I come from a long line of addictive personalities. And so, I don't know what that would have done to me. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, the good thing is I stayed away from it during the phase of my life where it could have, it could have stuck to me. And now I'm at that scary stage I was just talking about where I'm just, I'm scary as shit. And so I wouldn't even try it. You <laughs> yeah. You're I mean? like, you're like, I ain't trying yeah, any of Yeah, absolutely shit. not. And so, um, I, I skated through on that, you know, but, but I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest things. If you, if you, um, if you break it down individually, right, I think I was one of the people, I'm one of the people, because I know there's a lot of people like this, that I was, I always did well under structure. And, and so, you know, even going back to first coming around, understanding, you know, like chain of command and respecting structure, I always did well in that setting, bro. And so <clears throat> I think, I think being able to be exposed to you know, the discipline it took, you know, the kind of qualities it took. I think I was able to, to hone who I was as a person based on some of the principles that the Latin Kings had, if that makes sense. You know, I, I had a lot of morale from my father, 
you know what I'm saying? And, and I use that obviously to transition, but once I was already a King, there's a lot of things that, that are overlooked, just how you carry yourself, you know what I mean? And mm. obviously it made me grow up a lot faster than I should have, but I would say I took some of those, you know, some of those are, you know, some, some redeeming qualities, you know, just, and you know, they're almost militant, you know, militant, like in, in the sense that that kind of aura, it demands respect, you know, that, that, that kind of person, like the way you carry yourself. And so I think that was one of the things, bro, that, cause that, cause that transitions into, into business and, and, and moving forward in life, man, like you got to be assertive, you know, and understanding like your, your own goals and understanding how to carry yourself. I think, I think all those things were enhanced from being a gang member. I won't say they were developed because like I said, mm -hmm. man, my dad, my dad gave me a lot of, a lot of more out growing up, but so I think those are, those are some of the main things, bro. I took that away. I took the, the drug thing away. Um, obviously, yeah, friendships. I built, I built friendships that I would have never been exposed to. You know, I, I think about this, bro, like that, that, that lifestyle, it makes it really hard to, and this is, this is a little bit of a veer off, but it makes it really hard to, to be around and hang around other people that aren't either knowledgeable or in that lifestyle. And what I mean is I just think about my own circumstance, bro. Like it's hard to make friends now, you know, because it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not about like not being a friendly person. It's just, it's hard to find common ground. Like how do you relate to some, you know, somebody random? We got two entirely different backgrounds, probably two entirely different uh, uh, ways that, that, you know, our values are different and, you know, it's just, it's hard. So the natural, naturally the people you gravitate towards are people that have been in similar situations as you, you know what I'm saying? You end up, right. you end up hanging yeah. out with people who are, who are either it's still in prison. I, I, you know, I talk to, you know, obviously all the people I still have in prison and, and then people that just get out and obviously you root for them to, to, to change. And, and, um, but it, it's just crazy. I think about that, bro, like that element, you, you can't really, you can't really separate from it. And I don't, I don't want to say that I carry myself like a gang member. That's, that's not, that's not, that's the furthest thing from the truth, but I'm saying that kind of aura and personality that you retain, I guess, from that lifestyle, not just being a Latin King, it, yeah. it carries over, bro. It carries over into, yeah. into who you are as a, as an adult. And, and it does, sometimes it hampers you, bro. And you totally like you do, you carry certain things from that, that lifestyle, you know, and there are a lot of those things. Like we talk, about things all the time that you talk about and I can't understand it at all because I've never been surrounded by any of it. My, my only example of it is Berto, you know? Right. So yeah, that's totally, I can totally see that, but I like the fact that, cause I could see how like growing up faster, that was probably a huge advantage to, I mean, there's probably a better way you could have gotten that experience of growing up faster than from a gang, but, For sure. but that is a something positive that they brought to you because it forced you to be in a, more of an adult. And, and that probably has put you ahead in life in certain ways you might not even realize. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah. And, and it, it has, a, it has a, it has its ways, right. Of even though some of them were unfounded, I guess, it has its ways of of giving you a lot of teaching moments and a lot of um, accountability, right? Like having a lot of accountability for what you do, because you know, in in the 
you know, in the gang life and the street life, you mess up and there's, there's usually consequences behind it. You know what I mean? And so, and in my case, even when you don't mess up, there's going to be consequences <laughs> behind it. And so I think having that accountability element, it helps as you, as you, you know, you become, I guess, a quote unquote productive member of society, right? Like you, you, you need all those little things, bro, because, you know, and this is, this is, I have to, I have to transition here because it just fits, but you need all those things because when you come out of prison, you know, when you do, when you, when you do time and you come out of prison, you need, you need all the little, the little things you learn to help you move forward, bro, because I got to ruin your question here, but, but uh, what was my biggest <laughs> fear getting out of prison? And this might, this might skip your order, but I think this goes hand in hand with the question, bro. And, um, right. You know, I think my biggest fear, you know, obviously anybody's generalized biggest fear is just failure in general. Right. But, mm -hmm. but the term is relative because you're going to fail no matter what you're going to fail. Right. Like if you're not failing, you're not trying. That's what they always say. So you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how you fail and how resilient you are. And you know, all the quotes and shit you hear all the time from everybody, but it's really true though, because you know, like my biggest fear bro, coming out was like, damn, initially it was just, it was just my biggest fear was letting people down, you know, like that was my biggest, I guess, worry mentally was damn like uh, people were going to have an expectation and the standard for me, you know, coming home. And, and maybe there's a lot of reasons behind that. I mean, I talked a lot of, I talked a lot, a, a big game, you know, in prison about, about my, my, my change and my growth. And so naturally you have to live that up. So I think that was my biggest fear. Um, but you know, there's a bunch of things that trickle out of that, you know what I mean? And, um, for me, bro, it was obviously catching up, you know, being, being behind, not understanding. And so all I could do was just lean on the little, the little, you know, little things that I did have, like, okay, I'm disciplined, bam. So now I can use that to my advantage. You know what I'm saying? Like I can get up, I can go to work. I can use that. Like I have no skills, but I have discipline, you know? And, um, you know, discipline is like something that is probably the the most the most under underappreciated underappreciated characteristic a person can have, bro, is discipline. Because you know, some yeah, I was going to say one of the most valuable yeah, <laughs> aspects it's, it's, they can have. Yeah, because because bro, you know, a lot of people they move off of motivation, you know, but at the end of the day, motivation goes away, discipline doesn't. And so, mm. um, I think I think with me that was one advantage I had. And that, and that came from my, the way I was in, in prison, you know, like you develop that discipline, you develop, you know, getting up at a certain time all the time. And just, cause you have to make yourself bro. Um, with the exception of like juvenile, you know, like when I was in Wales, yeah, they get you up, you got to go to school and go to work and all that shit. But it, you know, when I was in prison and county jail, like you sleep all damn day if you want to. If you want to be a bum, you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to develop your own discipline, your own principles that you're gonna start. And so I I used all those things that I kind of carried throughout my my career as a king and then my, you know, in prison. And I just tried to use that to help me when I got out. You know what I mean? That to help, to help overcome that fear. I always talk about the crutch I had. You know, um, my wife was the probably the biggest crutch I had still, you know, has the biggest crush I have. And, but, you know, I feel like I would have been capable regardless, you know, because I, I mentally, I just, I had, I had set in my head that there was nothing that was going to stop me from, 
from getting away from the bullshit that I was in and, and being able to, to show that I'm, you know, productive. And, you know, the hard part about that shit, bro, to be honest with you, and this is for anybody that's just getting out or has been out for a while, is the hard part about living up to the standard that you feel people set for you is it's really unrealistic. You shouldn't put that expectation on yourself. But but when you're trying to, what makes it harder, bro, is just a monotony of life. You know, when you have to get up every day and do the same bullshit, you know what I'm saying? And um, because those milestones, they they stop coming so frequently. You know, when I first got out, it was like all these little milestones, they they were, you know, they were motivating me. You know what I mean? Like, bam, I got my license. <laughs> yeah, I got my license. Okay, now I got, you know, I got my car. I got this or I got that. I got my first job. I got, you know, all these little firsts and those milestones build up, build up and you start gaining this confidence. You're like, all right, cool. And then eventually you get to a point where now you're, you're, you're set into, you know, one path and you're, you're there for a while you know, until, mm-hmm. until you achieve some type of, some type of skill set or whatever it is you're going for. You know what I mean? And then when it's, it's, it's when you're in that seat that, you know, shit gets the hardest for real, man. Like when you have the, the, the day in day out job, because it's like those, those milestones ain't coming, you know what I'm saying? Those, those pats on the back, you know, those, that shit, that shit goes away and it's just you in the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, bro. I think it's just kind of the daily grind. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, <laughs> I know, listen, I know, um, I know the majority of that, that, uh, that question was just based on what my biggest fear was. And, um, you know, I think, well, I was just going to, I was just going to give you another example, bro, of, of something that, uh, you know, it plays for a lot of people, you know, like, listen, bro. And this is, this is something that it, it's, it's universal, um, for prisoners. Right. And that is that people always look at prisoners, always look at other prisoners, bro, when they get out, you know what I mean? And, and everybody is plays Monday, Monday morning quarterback, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody is, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. Or, or, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know, everybody's got these million dollar ideas and it's going to be so easy when you get out. And, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, and then they get out and life slaps them in the face and, and, you know, um, some people break, they go to drugs, some people go back to prison, some people succeed, right? We know that. Um, mm. But, but it's, it's the, it's the example that other prisoners set, right? And so um, mm. I bring that up, bro, because, you know, my, my, um, I guess my, my one example that I looked to um, was, was somebody that was in a similar situation as me. And that was my older cousin, right? Like he was in a similar situation, you know, he had did what I did, he was coming from the same kind of uh, prison setting that I was and he got out, bro. And obviously, you know, um, he went a different route than I did. Like, obviously I got my own name and all this shit. I I didn't, I didn't, you know, I just stayed with who I am, but he didn't, you know, he went a different route, different name and all this shit. And he really succeeded, um, to a certain extent, you know, he's a diesel mechanic, you know, making a, you know, a bunch of money, got married, just, you know, he really was, he was really doing well you know, one turn of event, I don't know what it was, but it, it, his life spiraled out of control and he ended up catching new cases under this new name. And so I think, I think like with me, those are things that pop up too, bro, is, is, as like your biggest fears is like trying, is, is not being lumped into that, bro. Because, you know, th- like that's one of the things that I hate is the stereotypical putting you in with everybody else. You know what I mean? Like you're, there's no individualizing your successes. You know what I mean? It's only, it's only, you know, putting your failures in the front, you know? And that's why I always, I always say this, bro. Like I could do good for 10 years. 
And if I were to do something stupid, something happened, they would be like, ah, well, he was a criminal. You can kind of yeah, see that. Say, yeah, you can kind of see that. That thing back, back 20 years ago. Right. So obviously this was going to happen. Right? right. And so, yeah. so I hate that stereotypical view, bro, on, on, on obviously on myself, but just as guys that are trying to make it out of there in general. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's situations like my cousin that make everybody feel like that. You know what I mean? Cause it happens more often than not. I mean, you want to talk about the recidivism rate and people going back to prison, all those numbers are high. True. I understand that. But um, that still doesn't that's, does, doesn't take away the fact that people should be individualized. You know what I'm saying? And not generalized. Yeah, definitely. You know, because yeah. that's that's ultimately what ends up happening, bro, is people just, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's this or he's that. And, you know, and then, you know, like carrying it over to this, to this point, this is a point I was thinking about that was separate. Um, you know, I seen a case, man. I seen a case that happened. It's a recent case. I don't know too many like all the um, intricate details. I just, I just generally read it and it was a kid that I believe he like ran over a police officer, like a off duty police officer or something and, uh, and killed him, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think they questioned him and he was like, I'll be out in 30 days or some shit like that. And, and so there's this big backlash about, you know, this, this juvenile um, possibly not going to get really any time because, because he, he, um, you know, he's a juvenile. He's not going to get any time for this, for this murder. And so there's like a huge backlash in order for that not to happen. And so this is the problem, bro, that, that, that happens is that you get, you get a big push in criminal justice reform to help, um, you know, not to so severely punish juveniles that, you know, that make mistakes as kids and don't really understand it. all the shit we were just talking about, like not being able to process those feelings and shit like that. And, and so you mm -hmm. get, you, you get a good movement and then something like this happens and it like stops that movement. You know what I'm saying? Because right. now it's all about politics, bro. You know, whether people like to admit that or not, it come and now it turns into this political thing where if you let the kid off, then you're a super, um, you know, liberal or whatever it is. And, and if you, if you give them life, then you're not about change. And so the, the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle. Right. But it's a situation like this, that, that ruins it, I guess is the best word for people that, you know, have been waiting 30 years, you know, you know, for, yeah. for something they did as a juvenile to get a second chance. And, and obviously it, it hits home with me because of my brother solo. Right. Cause, cause he, you know, he's been down since 91, bro, you know, and he committed murder when he was 15 years old, you know, at some point, bro, you have to give a guy a chance. And, you know, it's cases right. like this where you get, you know, some random kid, you know, somewhere in the country, this is, this is the exception, not the rule. You know what I mean, bro? It's like, we talk about this all the time with, with people that who commit murder and people who are serial killers, like, there's different people. You can't, you can't hold every, everybody who, who, you know, commits a serious crime up to the same standard you would hold a serial killer up to, you know what I mean? But, but right. that's what, but that's what goes on in situations where they're trying to relax laws, you know, they're trying to relax the law to help the juveniles, but then something like this happens and they use the exception, you know, to hurt the rule, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? To, yeah. to hurt everybody who falls under that. And so, I just thought that was, I just thought that was a relevant point though, to bring those together. And it's really sad when those situations come up because it is like you are picking the one scenario where, where you're right. Maybe, maybe this kid shouldn't get a break because he obviously did something pretty terrible, but there's probably 
he's one of the the other 99 kids that have gotten a crime like this. They legitimately might have made a mistake and should deserve a chance. So how do you balance that? You know, and it's and, it, and that's it and that's not, that's not sticking up for that kid. You know, like that was some brutal shit he did, you know, and he should probably right. be punished. He probably has extenuating circumstances that would make his situation different. You know, so I'm not saying that he should get any type of, uh, you know, sympathy, extra sympathy or anything like that. I'm just saying that it shouldn't affect other people's outcomes. Right. Right. Know? Exactly. The, this one scenario is is an example where, yeah, you're right. This kid maybe shouldn't get any lead way. But there's so many other situations that you don't hear about. We don't turn on the news and hear about them where these kids should get a chance. And because of this one scenario, it's hurting their chance to be able to get that second chance, which is just, it's sad. Right. And yeah. It happens. It happens a lot, bro. That's, that's exactly, that's how the system goes, bro. You know, it's like, um, everybody, everybody that is waiting for, for, I guess, laws to relax and, and for change. It's all about the political atmosphere, bro. That's what's crazy is, is people don't really understand that element is that everybody just assumes that it's, it's a universal, um, criminal justice system we're in, we're not, we're, our, our, no. criminal, our criminal justice system is based on the election, you know, every four years it's based on that. It's based on who has the three branches of government because, it's never, it's never all the same. You know, you're going to have the people that are going to lift up the gas pedal on, on crime. And then those are going to, then are going to punch it to the floor. And then, and then it's painted, it's painted a bunch of different ways based on who's, who's telling the narrative. And, and so this is what I mean right here. Right. And this is something that I made a mistake on um, because I didn't really know all the, all the, the, I guess the nuances that went along with it. But I talked about, a while back, I talked about a Chicago, the, the, the Illinois law that was basically getting rid of cash bail. And, right. um, you know, in my mind, I thought that was a travesty, bro. Cause I, you know, there's a lot of dangerous people that, you know, that are, you know, ultimately, <clears throat> you know, they, they deserve to be looked at more than just, more than just, you know, one time they deserve to be under constant surveillance because they're, they're crazy people. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that shit really <laughs> exists. But what I did is I jumped to conclusions thinking that, man, that was a stupid thing to do that they're just letting killers out or letting everybody out rapists out. And that's not true. But because I didn't get all the information, I only got the narrative that was being painted by, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's extremes in both parties, bro. Yeah, that's just the way right. it goes. You know what I mean? I got, I got the narrative that was being painted from the extreme on one side and it was basically, they were just letting everybody out. They're booking you and releasing you for everything up to murder. And I thought that was <laughs> psychotic, you know? But then when I really heard about it, they're basically, it, it isn't like that. It's just basically the money element of it is gone, meaning that it's still going to be put in front of a judge and your case is just going to be either you're going to be granted bail or you're not going to be granted bail. There's going to be no cash element to it, you know, so you still have to go in front of oh. a judge, you know, and, and that little piece right there, that's a huge amount of information because no judge is just going to be releasing people with attempted right. murder or, you know what I'm saying? Like no judge is going to be releasing anybody like that. So it's like, yeah, it's going to suck um, for a lot of people that have no bail, but all they're doing is really leveling the playing field. Meaning that somebody who has money shouldn't be able to bail out the same way somebody who doesn't have money. You know what I mean? If they got the right. same case. It's, it's making the bail system a fair playing ground. Right. Because, right. you know, if you can't afford to pay bail, 
you can still be out of prison if you're granted bail. <laughs> really right. is right. what exactly. it's doing. Exactly. So, so it's it's not about the it's not about the monetary aspect of it. It's about the just the ability to get bail. You know what I mean? It's right. it's not about anything else. You know, are you good for bail or are you not? And so yeah, I just think that that's you know that that's another example, bro. Like you know, you you hear something and you jump, you 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 run with it, and you don't even know the full scope of it. I'm guilty, obviously. I'm, I'm the one who. And everybody's guilty of that. And if you are out there and you think you're not guilty of that, you're wrong <laughs> because yeah. there there is just something that you don't know enough about to be able to give a, a conscience answer to. It's just 100%. unfortunate, but we just don't know everything. So. Hundred percent. All right, are you ready for the final question? That which you already took it over to the prison thing, but this is the final question of the prison thing. All right. And I think it's very simple, similar to another of one to the one of the gang questions. But this question is: Is there anything that came from your time in prison that was a positive experience and that you were grateful for having experienced? And I can think so, of a couple that you've talked about yeah. on this one already. So, so this is a loaded question, meaning that there's so many different ways you can you can go with this. Immediately being the fact that I went to prison, you know, we we play out all these different scenarios, and obviously, if I didn't go to prison, there's a lot of scenarios that weren't going to be good either way for my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think going to prison obviously is the first. I guess, um, blessing in disguise that, that I can point out. So that's the, that's the number one being. And when you say that you're saying that because it pulled you away from the life that was probably going to cause you to get killed or something maybe, well, I don't know what, if it could be any much, much worse than that. Life in prison, you know, no chance there. (laughs) That's true. So, um, yeah, so that, I think that's the first thing, um, as far as actually being in prison, you know, the reality is that by all, by, I guess by, by the standard of, of, of most of society, I grew up in prison, bro. You know what I mean? Like I was two years there as a juvenile. Um, and then immediately after turning 18, 15 years. So I grew up in prison, you know, and so saying, you know, did I take anything from prison? I took a shit ton from prison, bro. You know, I, 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 um, I developed, I developed skills in prison. I developed, um, characteristics of my personality in prison. Um, because, you know, let's face it, bro, at 15, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you're not even really who you really are. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, you, you can't probably think of a, a good thought you had at 18, 19, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're still wild, you're still in the street. And so I wasn't really developed at all. So I took a lot from my stay in prison, bro. Basically, a lot of it was through self-development, but a lot of it was just coming with the fact that you have to, you know, going into county jails and going into, into prison, you, you have to develop a level of respect that you carry yourself with and that you carry for other people because, you know, that's the name of the game. You're, you're, you're in a jungle amongst men. You know what I mean? And so having respect and, and, and getting respect are like two of the, you know, most important things, bro, because you can't function in there without that. You know, that's, that's usually when a levy breaks in situations in there is, is the respect is broken. And so that's, I think for me, bro, I, I took that away because I was a really, really disrespectful 
a person in the street. You know what I mean? I was I was I was stupid and wild and and um I didn't care about uh consequences or people's feelings or any of that shit and and you know as you as you as you you know develop different things in prison, you you age in prison, you you might think you're stagnant, right? You might think like okay, I'm not learning much, like I'm just going day by day, but you are, you know. Um mm-hmm. you are, you're developing habits, you're you're you know, you're you're finding and in my case I was destroying my body playing sports. So you know, like you, you're doing a bunch of things in, in prison um, that you're going to take with you. You know, I took I took a lot of a lot of those lessons in there with me, you know, and some of the stuff I think is is a negative to take with you. You know, a lot of people that come out of prison, man, sometimes they come out their OCD. You know, they have they have a certain way that things need to be all the time. You know, I knew guys like that, man, like you couldn't go into their cell and they'd see if there was a hair on their floor. You know what I mean? Like for real. And, and, um, some people carry those things out to the outside and it, and it actually hurts them and in life, maybe it helps them. But <clears throat> so you, bro, you're, you're always going to take something from there. I'm curious. Can you talk about like, okay. So obviously you're saying some people get this OCD thing in prison, but you never got that. Do you think that's, what's the reason for that? Do you think that the people that get that, because you had a lot of like, I'll call them side hustles within prison. You were constantly involving in, you know, running gambling things and in all cutting hair and all this stuff. Are the people that are struggling with like the OCD thing type stuff? Is that because really all they have to do while they're in prison is, is clean their cell because they just never really got involved in other things or what do you think that is? Yeah, I think, I think that's a, that's a super, trippy concept to think about bro because like i know it ranges bro there's a wide range meaning that you know usually the guys that are like super um really like you know they clean up all the time or things got to be a certain way that stems from you know there's there's different there's different kinds of guys like some of them are drug addicts some of them are are just clean freaks and um, it just it intensifies when you're in prison because you 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 take ownership of the little things that you have, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of, you know, you kind of you prop those little things up. And I say that like like a single cell, like having a single cell in prison is like you know a lot of people don't even understand what that means because most people have never never seen that. A lot of a lot of prisons don't have single cells, but some do. And so having a single cell bro is like a huge thing because it's your own you know and so people they make it their own and they you know you'll see all kinds of shit guys will make rugs and just everything bro like to try to make their cell they wax their floors and um you know they shine their little you know the 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 faucet like it's it, it becomes like something like that like to take pride in and so yeah i don't know i don't know how that develops or what it comes from bro but i know that prison intensifies it and then and then usually they carry it out you know, they carry it out. People say you're institutionalized. Yeah, you're institutionalized to some extent, bro. You're always going to be institutionalized to some extent. Like you can, you, you know, you can, I still know damn near the entire menu for the, for the whole BOP, the Federal Bureau of Prisons. There's things that you're always going to have. Like Wednesdays, you're always going to have burgers and French fries for lunch, you know? Um, yeah, Friday, you're always going to have fish. Thursday, you're always going to have chicken on the bone. Like there's just shit that you you, you never forget, you know? Like you always you have things that, that stick with you, bro. And so, um, 
Yeah, those are those are negative things that you carry out of there, though, because I don't I mean, I guess you could technically use them to for good, you know, if you're an organizer and stuff like that. But it's really hard to adjust out here, bro, because there's so many moving parts. You know, like I feel like the the first thing I noticed when I got out, which is how fast the world moves, you know, like um, being in a confined area in prison, you know, the the most movement you're going to see is guys doing laps on a, on a yard you know, opposed to just being out in the real world and everybody's flying, you know, everybody's walking fast. You got cars going. Um, it's just, the world is just, it, it's, it's hard to adjust to when you first, when you first get out of there, bro. Cause it's, a- and this brings me back to my, my last question. So my last question was how much, like once you got out, did you know how much it was going to be, how intimidating it was going to be when you first walked out. Like, I assume you figured that there was going to be some level of intimidation, like all these things that I don't really understand, blah, blah, blah. But did you get out of prison where you like, holy crap, this is a lot worse than I thought it was going to be? Or was it pretty much once you got out, you're like, yeah, okay, this is kind of going to take a little bit of adjustment. And I figured this is the way it was going to be. Right. I mean, it's a good question, bro. I think, I don't know if this is a, this is a spot on answer to what you're saying, but I I liken it to this, right? So I think, bro, when you're in prison and you're in these environments, these structured environments where you always have somebody looking down on you, right? You always have somebody watching over you, so to speak, like with guards and, and your, your, whoever you're talking to, your counselors and all this shit, right? You always have somebody who's watching over you, like can put you in trouble, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when you get out and, and you don't have that, um, you can tend to be like a little bit, uh, frantic, you know what I'm saying? Because you need the direction, bro. You need the direction sometimes because you're not, you're, you're not really used to that. You know what I mean? You're not used to not having that. And so, right. I think there was always somebody around to tell you when you were doing something wrong in prison, whereas, out in the real world, you got out and I'm like, well, I think this is how I'm supposed to do it, but there's nobody to tell me that I'm not doing it right. Right. Is that kind of what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. So that, that's a, yeah, exactly. I mean, but, but it gets deeper than that too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that, um, not having that structure is, is one thing, but I think, you know, for, for a long time, it's, it's a, it's a mental element that you have to shake in the, in the real world, in the business world, in, in just living your life. And I still struggle with this. And this is the element that I'm talking about when you're in those environments, bro. And you have those people over, you always go into like conversations with them or meetings or whatever it is. When they call you into the office, you go into those and whether anybody likes to admit it or not, sometimes you're a little bit intimidated. Like you feel like these are the people that are above you, they're ahead of you or whatever it is. And it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be like that because they're just humans. They got jobs and you're just in a situation where, you know, they're responsible for you. Well, in the real mm-hmm. world, I, I think I felt that too when I would get into settings, bro, where like I was in professional settings, you know, and I felt like, damn, like these people are better than me. You know what I mean? Like they know them, they know more than me. Like I, I'm lost here. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that was a mental hurdle for me when I first got out, like like getting over the fact that, all right, yeah, they might know more than you in this aspect, but you could catch up, you know, and you deserve to be here or whatever. Just being able to to, to self-talk, you know, and being able to be like, all right you belong in these rooms and these conversations and these interviews and shit like that. You've worked hard enough to do that. And I think that's, that's something that people have to, you know, they kind of, kind of, they kind of got to be, you know, reassured, you know, like it helps, you know, guys that are getting out, man. And, and even when they're looking for the next step up, like, you know, 
you know, and some people will call it job hopping. It probably is. But like when I was first getting my first couple jobs, like I was, you know, my first job, bro, was like $14 an hour. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I would job hop, bro. I, I was working through a temp agency and then the next job offer was like fifteen fifty. And so I, I take that. And, and so, yeah, I was job hopping, but, but I was just, I was always trying to find the next best move, the next best opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And um, I think the guys that, you know, they get out, they need to be reassured that, yeah, man, you're going, you're doing right. You know what I'm saying? Like you belong, you deserve that much money or you deserve to, to, to get a raise or you deserve this. You know what I mean? Because people have self doubt, you know what I mean? It's just natural. The most confident people are some, probably some of the people with the biggest doubts deep down, you know what I mean? So, um, it's just, they know how to mask them well. And, uh, yeah, bro. So I think yeah, that's, I think. That, that's probably the biggest thing. One of the, you know, those, all those elements are, are, I don't know if that, if that was a true depiction of the question you asked, but, but that's what comes to my mind. Yeah, it, it totally is. And I think, I think it brings up a great point that this is like we've talked about on many episodes. This is a shortcoming of, of the prison system is it shouldn't, maybe there should be some sort of, how do you, you know, some sort of stop gap between getting out of prison or you know being in prison and leaving prison maybe there should be some program where you have somebody that's assigned to you that you can meet with when you're like not comfortable about something and and you can just be like am I doing this right or whatever and you know in your situation thank god you had your family and stuff that they could kind of be that but I think that would be a big step for our criminal system is to realize that it's a big transition from going from being in prison to not in prison and to just throw somebody to the wolves and expect them to make it through. Yeah. Just just imagine, bro. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to (laughs) fail, you know? I mean, yeah. Just imagine, bro. Just imagine like for people that, that get out, they just get out and you know, they have nobody They have nothing. Imagine how hard it is for them to, make that transition and just understanding what even the first step is in this whole process. Imagine that. Now imagine that same person with all those obstacles and then throwing the element of the street where they have to answer to these guys or they have to be at meetings mm-hmm. or they have to be ducking all these rivals. Like that's why a lot of guys don't make it, bro. That's why a lot of guys go back is because, you know, you because it's the only thing they know, you know, yeah, well, they don't have nowhere else to go. You know, it's not like they have a bunch of options where they can just go and, you know, stay over here in a different state and get their shit together. Nah, you know, I'm I'm blessed in the sense that, yeah, like, you know, I know, like I always say, man, I know I would have, I would have succeeded, you know, in my mindset, they would, they could have dropped me in Antarctica. I would have succeeded, but (laughs) it would have been, it would have been a lot harder, you know, even being in the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. it would have been a lot harder. I would have had a lot more obstacles and then anything, you know, split seconds, change lives. You know what I mean? You, you know, you, you run into somebody and they got something to say to you or, you know, whatever it is, they don't agree with, with what you did or who you are. And now it's like fight or flight, you know what I mean? And, um, mm-hmm. so that's, 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 that's the, the problem a lot of guys face, bro. They just, it's just environment, dude. You're just there. And what the, I mean, you know, so I tip my cap to the dudes really that, that really went back to where they're at, you know, went through the, the harsh shit, and are succeeding now and they didn't leave where they were from. You know, that's a hard, hard thing that's to a do. Hard, yeah. Hats off to them because that's a, a lot to be able to pull off. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, that kind of leads me to my next idea, bro. I'm going to, um, so I just want to like the, the, the listeners, man, I, I, um, I've been releasing like, um, you know, the headliner clips that I always release on, on social media. Um, I've been releasing them on YouTube and, um, just to kind of see if I can get a little bit of a following. So, you know, so the listeners here, you know, if you get a chance, go over to YouTube, find normalized crime and just subscribe to the page. Um, once, once I, you know, all those little, those, I think the episodes are the, the full episodes are downloaded on there as well. And, and once they're up, like, I don't know, depending on the kind of support and the kind of, uh, I guess, you know, depending on the crowd, what they want, you know, maybe, you know, I can do some YouTube stuff. I, I know I got, I have, I have some guests that are interested in coming on that all have like, you know, really impactful stories. And, and, um, I just been trying to think of different ideas and how to incorporate, you know, the same kind of message, man, through different, through different conduits, different people, um, you know, cause it, it travels out all across the country, obviously. But, you know, like I said, man, you know, at some point we gotta, we gotta be together in this, you know, we all have to, we all have to, you know, this is the, the whole podcast idea was for, for everybody and to spread the message. And so, yeah, man, I like the idea of, of, of incorporating other people. And so, yeah, if people can just go and support that page, um, on YouTube, just subscribe and we'll see how many subscribers we can start getting on there. And then, and then who knows, man, who knows uh, what'll happen from that. But that's yeah, what I, and I will. Yeah. I'll try to put a, a link to the, the YouTube page in the show notes for everybody. So if you're on, on your podcast player, there's a little description of the show of the episode you're listening to. If you look in there, um, for this episode, we'll have, and I'll just put it in there moving forward. So any episode you can find a link to the YouTube. So. Yeah, definitely. Because I, 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 man, I look at, I look at our show and, and, um, you know, we got super interactive, uh, listeners, um, you know, and I feel like we have a lot of good content, a lot of good, uh, messages to share, man. I look at the channels that are out there, bro. And, and, um, there's no reason that we shouldn't be, you know, just as, just as, on the same level that they are. So that's the way I feel. Yeah. So, all right. With that, we'll wrap this episode up. And like, like Berto said, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And um, we also do have a Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com slash normalized crime. And uh, if there are any questions, comments, anything like that, you can reach out to us at normalized crime at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with a Patreon episode and two weeks with a regular uh, episode. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.